there and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. Welcome to Secrets of Organ Playing podcast number 126. Today is Sunday, December 24th, 2017. Christmas Eve, everyone. Merry Christmas, uh, blessed uh, uh, season for everyone. And I'm so happy we've been doing this for for a while, these podcasts. And uh, we've been continuing this organ journey for six years now. And we hope to help you grow as an organist uh, for many years to come. And today's special guest is visiting um, Vilnius University St. John's Church. This is uh, uh, English organist uh, James Spanner. Uh, welcome, James. And, uh, James um, uh, recently contacted me ahead of time of his and uh, his wife uh, uh, coming to visit our country and spending a few de- days uh, in our uh, city uh, enjoying uh, pre-Christmas uh, season, right? And uh, I let him play this uh, mechanical largest pipe organ in Lithuania. So how do you feel, James, about this? Uh, about playing this organ? Yeah, we just, we, by the way, we are recording this just a minute after uh, James's uh, uh, demonstration of the organ. He played a few pieces and finished with BWV 566. 566. Do you know this piece? I didn't. Uh, this is apparently uh, Bach's C major toccata uh, transposed down from E major. Uh, yes. It was originally transposed, and uh, it sounds actually very lovely on this instrument because of Kierberger free temperament. So, uh, by the way, uh, James, how do you feel about this organ and its and your feeling about playing it? Could you share this? Well, to piece? play to play this piece of music on yeah. this organ was very special because. Um, I've always considered, these last few years especially, the North Netherlands to be the nearest thing to heaven for an organist. Exactly. But this organ is, is close to... Purgatory, right? Close. No, no, no. <laughs> close to the Schnickers and uh, the organs of Kroningen and, uh, and uh, Kampen and those. It's a, it's a beautiful instrument. Beautiful instrument. And this piece of music, I first... my, my Parents, my father especially, loved classical music. And when I was a youngster, we had a, an old superphone recording of Yiri Reinberger yes, yeah. uh, playing this piece in an unnamed church in Prague. And I fell in love with it as a 10-year-old. Love at first sight. <laughs> Wonderful. Can we, James, go back in time and remember the time and the day maybe when somebody introduced you to pipe organ and you actually fell in love with this? Okay. Can you share the story? Age six. All right. My okay. parents took me to the Royal Albert Hall for a, uh, a carol concert uh, conducted by Sir Malcolm Sargent. And I sat in the choir underneath the 32-foot principal pipe, and I felt the draft and the vibrations down my neck. And I was an enthusiast for steam locomotives on the railway, and it excited that same kind of power and majesty, that that sense. And then uh, later on, I went to um, Crusaders, which was a a national Bible class organisation that every year had a... uh, 
a rally in the Central Hall, Westminster, mm -hmm. which has a fine hill organ. And uh, I remember age 14 singing a hymn, We Rest on Thee, Our Shield and Our Defender, to Sibelius' tune, Finlandia, okay. accompanied by the organ. And at that moment, I knew I had to learn this instrument. I'd, I'd, my parents had made me learn the piano from age six. I have to learn this instrument. Fantastic story, right? I've read uh, in some uh, some source online that in America they have a program for organ appreciation that uh, people, students, uh, lie down on the on the floor and hear the feel actually yeah. vibrations as you as you felt the draft yeah. uh, in that hall. So it's not surprising that the big sounds are majestic and actually lasting for a lifetime. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, I can, I can sense that now. It's a six-year-old, that memory is in here. I bet you could even tell us uh, what time of the day it was. Yes, yeah, probably about uh, seven o'clock in the evening. And uh, where you were situated in in the in the relation of the organ where which position i was the the albert hall organ is is in the the focus of the of a horseshoe shaped uh -huh. hall and i was sat at, at, at the front and the sides slope back i was i was on that corner with the tallest the, the 32 foot and you remember this 16 hertz uh vibration 32 foot stuff Okay. Yes. And you were six years old. Six years old. And you still remember this? Oh, I still remember it. Yeah. It's fantastic, <laughs> right? Um, so, did you uh, did you have this feeling uh, from from age six throughout uh, your life that you will become an organist, or yeah. uh, no. how did it all came no. about? I think uh, I changed schools when I was thirteen and went to a school which had a, a an assembly hall with a, a fine Father Willis organ mm -hmm. and, um, and a, an organ teacher who was um, an inspiration. It was the first time I'd heard uh, Vidor's Toccata. <laughs> that was inspirational. On the other side, I hated rugby football, okay. which was the school team game. And the only master who could speak to the uh, games master and say this pupil this student is not playing he's coming to learn the organ was our music <laughs> so I, I realized later in life actually that that said something about me there was something in me because I didn't sing in the choir or play in the orchestra something in me that said I am not a team player I can do it all myself fantastic not so fantastic. No. <laughs> I have learned later in life to be a, more of a team player. Let me tell you why it is fantastic. Myself, I too don't feel comfortable in playing with large orchestras or choirs or team effort. I feel at home here when I'm playing mm. alone or with my wife, Osha, mm. uh, together on the same organ bench. This is okay to interact with another person, maybe two people, like mm. ensemble, but in a big situation like, like, a, like a team, like a like co uh, collective effort, it would be, for me, it would be difficult. Yes. Can, uh, can I just say one thing? Sure. That in, in England now, um, 
in in many churches it's common to have a a band mm -hmm. with perhaps a uh, an electronic keyboard guitar uh, clarinet yeah drums um and many organists say over my dead body okay. i am not playing with that and there's a real danger that um organ will become dead yes. in England with that attitude. I have learned to play with a band as an instrument that undergirds the okay. band rather than drowns it with noise. And I'm getting to love it. I'm okay. learning to be a team player. No, you're absolutely right, because there are many symphonic pieces written for organ and orchestra, mm. right? Like Handel's Concerto, Poulenc, and, mm. and in the meeting, Reinberger, yes. and many others being written now in, in modern times. So I think this tradition can go on if, if our organists would create more and more New yes. organ music, right? We have uh, a very fine violinist in our congregation who can play uh, orchestral music, gypsy style. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he is there, I always ask him to come and play with the organ at the end of the service, and it's 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 beautiful. The the uh, how can I put it? The woodenness of the organ, if you know what I mean, and the and the emotion of the violin together. Mm -hmm beautiful foil. Yeah, organ is a spectacular instrument to play with others. Uh, you know, we have some flutes, right, and it sounds lovely with strings, and we could play with winds, too, with wind instruments, mm. and with brass, too, mm. which we imitate with trumpets and posaune and other reeds, right? Yes. Uh, it can do all kinds of things to imitate other instrumental, inst uh, orchestral instruments, right? So, James, uh, how did you um, uh, become an or a real organist, and uh, today you played so uh, so difficult uh, pieces, and you said you didn't uh, practice for many years before, right? You picked up uh, after a while, just this week probably, uh, be be before going uh, to Vilnius, right? So tell me, tell us a little bit about what happened later. What happened later? Well, I learned through my school years. Um, I then went on to become a, uh, a church organist when I went to college. Um, and then I became, I, I, I changed tracks and I was an engineer. Okay. I felt God calling me to, to the priesthood okay. in the Church of England. So I cannot lead a service and preach a sermon and play the organ <laughs> all at the same time. So many years I, I played very little. Okay. Uh, for services, but just for my own Actually, enjoyment. I have an organ student from, I believe she is, maybe she could be from America, but she's an ordained minister, mm. and um, she she is playing organ and preaching, not at the same time, yeah. but maybe, maybe yeah. once in a while. Yeah, I'm doing the same now, yes. And it's fun because your congregation gets to know the other side of you, right? Yes. And appreciate, oh, our minister or pastor or, or priest can, you know, or uh, can, can not only sing and uh, preach, but he can really play. And this is inspiration for other draw the, draw the meaning of the words mm -hmm. out of the hymns. Whenever a Catholic priest would, would say, please uh, sing hymns louder, 
they never sing themselves, you see, and never participate in congregational singing. Yeah. And if you do, for example, like in your example, then then it's, I think, motivating, even inspirational for mm. the congregation to join with their spirits and hearts and bodies. To I, I say there are two types of congregation when you're an organist. One is like a, a steam train. And the organist is a, a locomotive trying to pull 500 tons of dead weight. Excellent. The other is like an electric train where all move together. And I am very blessed to be in a, a congregation in, in Rustington in the south of England where people love singing. <laughs> Fantastic. I would love to come and, uh, and listen to, to your people sing and how you lead the congregational uh, singing together. Um, by the way, uh, next summer, Osha and I will be playing at St. Paul's Cathedral in London. Ah. So um, it's not uh, that very far away from you. Must, no, you maybe must we will give me keep the in touch. Yeah. Please. Wonderful. So wonderful coincidence. So, James, let's talk a little bit about um, what you play these days. And uh, for example, this week you were uh, probably refreshing your memory with, with Bach's C major toccata, with. Uh, 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 with Samuel Rousseau's uh, piece yes. that you played so lo lovely here, uh, then uh, the Klassian Mulders, right, uh, piece that yeah. you, you brought to other pieces. Um, what was the most challenging thing for you in order to prepare for this visit in terms of organ playing? I am a natural sight reader, mm -hmm. so I play approximately right, but good enough... Uh, people listening who are not uh, familiar with the music. And it's a real discipline, therefore, to practice. So I'm glad to have your, your email course to force me to do the fingering and the footwork and, well, and listen, especially with uh, Baroque music, to uh -huh. listen to the inner lines. Yeah, especially the fugues. Yes. Uh, polyphonic music, they, they are so intricate and independent mm. melodies. And if, if people start playing them right away, all the parts together, then something gets lost, right? We don't Absolutely. control any other polyphonic motion. Uh, then I, I advise people to spend some time with playing solo voices first mm. and then two-part combinations mm. and then three-part combinations mm. and then the rest will be very easy. Yeah. So, James, um, what about um, your, uh, let's say, um, uh, practicing uh, from uh, from our uh, study course? Uh, how long have you been a subscriber to our... Uh, <laughs> One week. One week, <laughs> yes. So you will discover many other materials, yes. of course, in the in the due time, in the future, which we will send uh, to our subscribers. Yes. And uh, of course, uh, people uh, sometimes need help and guidance like how to create uh, the right uh, baroque fingering, for example, yes. or articulation. Do we always have to play legato or not always, right? Yes. In romantic music, yes. In modern music, yes, unless it's written otherwise. But uh, what about in Bach's music, right? Mm. How they treat it this way? So we try to guide people in, 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 in many fields. And I, I hope you will find some value in mm. that too. So um, let's continue our discussion about the difficulties. Uh, I was amazed how you played this um, toccata in C major transposed from E major by Bach. Um, 
I've never played this in piece in C major myself. Mm. Have you played it in E major? No, no, no. So I just happened to have the uh, the edition which had the C major version. I played E major and you played C major, and we can't communicate, right? <laughs> But the music is the same, actually, only yes. lower yes. Um, and sweeter because of uh, less accidentals on this organ. Mm. Uh, so, would you like, uh, in some parts of your life, to go back to this piece and play it in E major? Would that be nice or challenging? I, I'm not sure whether it would be nice or whether it would be confusing. It would be confusing. With, with the same it, runs, but the but music is familiar to you now. Yeah, the music is familiar. So it would be nice, uh, nice probably experience because people did transpose in back in the day. Yes. Uh, it was, uh, for example, like Buxtehude, right? He also wrote a piece in E major. E major, like Bach. And in his uh, organ in Lübeck, yes, they changed the temperament somehow, but I don't believe E major would have sounded, you know, very sweet. But we could uh, assume maybe it was played uh, downward from F major. Mm. And F major would be very nice key yes. in, in yes. those days, right? Um, of course, all our organs in England have... Uh, Equal temperament, so yeah, um, exactly. Now everything has changed. But since you travel, for example, to the Netherlands, mm. to Groningen, and other mm. provinces, they still have you know old, oh, yes. old temperaments. And and if you play with the right touch and fingering and pedaling, uh, you can recreate those old sounds mm. from the old times, mm. right? Yeah. So what's yeah. next for you, James? What what are you planning to learn and uh, uh, dream of practicing? I am planning to learn um, quite a, a simple piece by, I think, a Polish composer. I, I will pronounce his name wrong. It's spelled Gardoni. Do you know that name? Probably not yet, but no. you um, would tell me. It's a, a, a tune more. which is familiar as an English hymn tune, Be Thou My Vision. Mm-hmm. And, and he starts off with very straightforward harmonies and then goes into a kind of jazz harmonies where the, the, the fingers don't naturally fall into the right place. So I have to work, work hard to get all the accidentals in. Does your sight reading abilities help here? Uh, it should. Uh, <laughs> A bit. A bit. A bit. Uh, and uh, how did you become a good sight reader, as you say? Did you sight read a lot, sight read a lot of material or, or somehow miraculously you were born with this? I gift? think I just had that gift. gift. But I, I can't improvise. I have, I have, I, am I too old to learn music theory? So no, that I can... no, no, as long as you're moving, it's okay. Yes. Yeah, and I find often talking to other organists, you either sight read or you are a good improviser. But it's, no, you, no, you, you don't agree. Both. You could no, do both, right. Yeah. right. Uh, I, I have seen examples yeah. in, in both spheres equally well. But my piano teacher, when I was age seven, said to my parents, I will not put him in for any exams. He is a, a sight reader rather than a an accuracy. I see, I see. Uh-huh. So you would rather uh, 
play something on the spot instead of practicing for hours at home, right? Yes, it's a matter of discipline, mm-hmm. really. But, I would, I would like to. I, I mentioned to you that uh, ten, ten, eight, ten years ago, uh, with the, the West Sussex Organ Association, to make myself uh, be able to play before a discerning audience once a year. That forced me, of course, to practice, practice that Rousseau piece. It's a, it's a public accountability, yes, right? Because yes. if you schedule a recital or a performance, even during a church service, right? One or two pieces, uh, postlude and prelude or communion piece, that would be enough to get you motivated to yes. uh, sit down on the organ bench regularly, even every day for a little bit, and to prepare, to plan ahead of time. It, your schedule, if you, you know, your calendar, your practice ahead of time, and to know if you will arrive at your destination in time, yes. right? Or a week later, yes. too late, right? I don't know if it's like this in Lithuania, but in, in England, any organist will say, it's not worth practicing the voluntary after the service, because I can't hear the organ above the noise of the congregation talking. That's a nice uh, <laughs> We have the same feeling here but when, before the service it's better <laughs> yeah people tend to chat and interact with each other mm. whenever uh, the mass or, or or liturgy is over they neglect the sound of the organ and we sometimes uh, bombard them with, <laughs> with, with sounds bigger than they can manage right yeah. i used to <laughs> and some some people some people uh, stop suddenly after that and leave an empty yeah. uh, silence, and they kind of keep keep screaming at each other, right? <laughs> this feeling, uh, keep hanging. Uh, maybe it's important sometimes to train our listeners to to appreciate uh, soft organ sounds as well. Yeah, uh, on the right I occasion. So, uh, so, I think so. competition doesn't work. It's all about communication, yes. right? If yes. you. If you communicate with congregation ahead of time, maybe write a few words on the church bulletin, what you will be playing, what's the importance of the music, then they're more, more likely to engage. Yeah, right? it's an idea. So, James, um, it, it's interesting. Uh, uh, in the future, you mentioned that you will be playing in a competition, right? Uh, no, this was in the past. Oh, this was in the past. This was a concert rather than a competition. But yes. in, in yes. your uh, situation, right, uh, when people are uh, above, let's say, 40, 50, right, uh, are uh, in another uh, age uh, limit, right, sometimes they are hesitant to put themselves into a position where, where they can literally challenge themselves. Mm-hmm. Where they are content with, uh, let's say, being uh, as they are, uh, sitting in a chair or uh, on a sofa or a couch and watching TV. Mm. But you're not that type, right? You feel that you need to grow even further, right? And actually that stops all kinds of uh, uh, illnesses. Organ playing Mm. uh, uh, has proven to be good uh, treatment for uh, aging uh, processes, for Alzheimer's too, for... um, coordination issues uh, older people have. I'm glad you're still playing, mm. and uh, I hope you will be playing for a long time. I hope so, too. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and um, before we end this conversation, 
could you direct our listeners to the place online where they could get in contact with you, get in touch, say hello, and uh, support you and motivate you practice even further? Oh, well. What's the How best way to contact that? you? Probably the best way is, is simply through my email, email address. What about your, uh, before you mentioned your email, yes. what about your church? Uh, does it have a website? Um, it does. Um, if uh, I can't remember the title exactly, okay. but it's St. Peter and St. Paul, like Vilnius. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. St. Peter and St. Paul, Rustington. Okay. And then you will find it. Okay, people will Google. Yeah. And uh, what about your email? My email address is James Spanner. Okay. So two S's in okay. the middle, James Spanner at AOL.com. Excellent. So I'll put this link into the description of our conversation that people could literally click and yeah, uh, visit that would be nice. and, uh, and uh, say hello to you and yeah. support. Uh, one parting, uh, parting idea, uh, James, um, going back in time, right, from age six, when you first became fascinated with the majestic rumble of the organ, mm. right, in that concert hall, uh, and uh, today, right? Um, what would you suggest and recommend people do? What would be number one step to become a better organist today? What would your advice be? I'm thinking of uh, an organist playing for church services rather than an organist playing in a concert. And I would, the, the most important thing to me and the thing which I sometimes wish and I hear other organists, even very competent organists, is that they would read the words that they're accompanying and bring the meaning out with the way they play. Because otherwise it would be just pure music uh, without uh, that much intention, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we have to transfer the feeling of the composer who created that music with... uh, Yeah, the composer or the hymn writer, yes. Like a prayer, right? Yes, yes listen and read and translate maybe some text with which if it's in a foreign language right mm. to get familiar with the tune with the text with the meaning and yes. then your playing will become better and I find with that uh, piece I played uh, the, the famous little choral prelude leaves to Jesus yes we're sent here I often play that before the service and as I play it think dearest Jesus we are we here, are here. And I make it a, an offering. We, Osha and I, uh, have heard that some organists consider this uh, chorale uh, good luck chorale. Oh. Uh, yes, uh, one, one organist from America told us that she always plays this in her recitals. And whenever she includes this piece in her recitals, she plays beautifully the oh, whole wow. the whole recital repertoire. Brings blessing, I would say, yes. rather than good luck. Good luck chorale. Yes. But again, that was when I was a, a young, when I was young, I heard a, a recording of Jean de Messieurs playing that piece um, on the, the organ of the new, brand new organ of the Catholic Cathedral in Liverpool. Mm. And uh, whether you, whether you like the way I did the, the grace notes, that's the way she does them. And that to me is the only way to do it. <laughs> And for our readers and listeners information, this is BWV number 731, if you want to play it. 
If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog, Secrets of Organ Playing, at organduo.lt, where you will find lots of insights, practical advice, and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vida Spinkavitus. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you online really soon.